0: You are listening to the Cross of Grace Lutheran Church Sermon Podcast. On December 6, 2020, we broadcast a live worship service on the second Sunday of the season of Advent. Pastor Mark Havel preached from the Gospel of Mark, the first chapter, verses 1 through 8. beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. As it is written in the prophet Isaiah, see, I'm sending my messenger ahead of you to prepare your way, the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord and make his paths straight. John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness of Judea, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And people from the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to be baptized by John in the River Jordan, confessing their sins. John was clothed with camel's hair. He wore a leather belt around his waist and he ate locusts and wild honey. He proclaimed, the one who's more powerful than I is coming after me. I'm not worthy to stoop down and untie the thong of his sandals. I baptize you with water. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit, the gospel of the Lord. This weekend, my oldest son Jackson and I found ourselves binging a new Netflix show called The Confession Tapes. It is a series of one-hour crime documentaries about cases where men and women, and some children even too, seem to have falsely confessed crimes, pretty heinous crimes, that they never had anything to do with. I'll spare you some of those details because it is Sunday morning, but suffice it to say, through poor and often criminal detective work, corrupt interrogation tactics, a desire to close cases at all costs, and an inability for the average bear, like you and me, to withstand all of those things when it's stacked up against them in just the right way for hours and hours and hours of questioning. The show tells of mothers who confess to crimes against their own daughters, stories of men who confessed to crimes against their wives and children, stories of young men who confess to committing crimes with and against complete strangers. And it tells, too, about how ready and willing a jury of one's peers is to believe such a confession in spite of tangible evidence and lots of common sense, really, that seem to prove otherwise. According to the Innocence Project, of all criminal convictions that have eventually been overturned due to convincing DNA evidence, 30% of those involved false confessions as part of their initial trial and conviction. But I digress. Of course, what John the Baptizer is calling people to down by the river is entirely different from all of that, but it did get me thinking. First of all, John's invitation to repentance is for sins actually committed. Maybe not arson or murder or any of those heinous things that show up on Netflix for most of us, but maybe some of that too, who knows. Whatever the case, these confessions he was calling for were to be made rightly with the goal of true repentance and real redemption in the end. Which means these confessions and this repentance John was calling for were invited, not coerced. These confessions and this repentance John was calling for were to be made with hope and with trust in God's grace and mercy, not out of fear of God's wrath And judgment. And these confessions and this repentance John was calling for led to new life and second chances, not life behind bars or some kind of eternal shame and punishment. And this was a new way to understand God, the God that was coming in Jesus Christ after John the Baptist, way back in the day. See, John was in tune with what God was about to do and through this Messiah who was on the way. John seemed to know what others didn't, that Jesus was the Son of God, that Jesus was born to save the world, not to condemn it, and that Jesus' ministry of peace and love and justice, of healing and hope and mercy was about to begin in a big, beautiful, new, world-changing kind of way. And John the Baptizer just wanted everyone to be in on it. So for John, preparing the way was about getting people to acknowledge how badly they needed this new kind of Savior. See, John was speaking to Jewish people who knew what it was to be enslaved. He was preaching to Jewish people who knew about being in exile. And like the prophet Isaiah, generations before him, John wasn't screwing around. He was reminding whoever would listen to him about their history, banished from a garden called Eden, captive in Egypt, and set free to wander the wilderness, so often pushed and pulled and persecuted and at the mercy of the world around them. And the hard holy truth of this is that this is our story still. As God's people on the planet. If the events of the past year have taught us anything, it is that we are at the mercy of so much that feels beyond our control, banished in our own ways, wandering, lost sometimes in our own kind of wilderness. We are a law abiding people who pay our taxes, I hope, who abide by the speed limit most of the time but who are at the mercy of social and political systems that seem so broken in so many ways. We are a people feeling exiled from our church buildings, from where we work, from where we go to school, from our friends and our neighbors and our families even. We are people wringing our hands and clenching our fists with more anxiety and more fear, more frustration and more sadness more uncertainty, and so much that we can't possibly know about what in the world is coming next. And to be honest, I can't help but wonder if all of this, for the likes of most of us, listening to me anyway, is just a small glimpse of how most of the rest of the world lives more of the time than people like you and me have been willing to see or to accept or to understand. Which means, John the Baptist's warnings, and wishes, and his welcome to the river, are for all of us, me included, in still new ways this time around, if we will let them be. What I mean is, I've been trying to recognize, in all of this pandemic fear and frustration, that this is nothing new, for a lot of people in God's world. So many out there are worried about their health and their health care and that of their loved ones like this every day, all the time. I'm trying to recognize that so many nations around the globe live constantly, year after year after year, with the kind of social and political tension we've been wrestling with lately in our little neck of the woods. I'm trying to recognize that the day-to-day frustrations and uncertainties we're feeling about work or school or worship are a way of life for more people, more of the time, out there in the world. And I, like many of you, I think, am just getting a taste of that in a way I never expected. And I'm embarrassed by that. Ashamed, even, sometimes when the fullness of it hits me. And all of it makes me want to break out my camel-haired coat, my leather belt, too, and like John the Baptist, call all of us to task like some carnival-barking street preacher out in the wilderness. And I want to say, what if we complained less and confessed more? What if we complained less and confessed more? What if we stopped complaining about how inconvenient all of this is and confessed instead our greed and our selfishness and our entitled living? What if we stopped complaining about everyone with whom we disagree and confessed instead our own impatience and lack of understanding and pettiness too? What if we stopped complaining about all we don't have or all we can't do or wished was different in our lives right now, and what if we confessed instead our ingratitude and our despair and our lapses in judgment? What if we stopped complaining about how much has changed for us these days and confessed instead our pride and our indifference and our denial of the suffering that was and is and is going to remain for so many other people when things get back to normal for us? What if we confessed our sin, people? sin with a capital S. And what if we meant it? And what if we repented to the point that we were changed to the degree that we find ourselves in solidarity with the world around us in a whole new way? That is something like what John the Baptist was calling people to out there in the wilderness, I believe. And it is what I believe he would have for us still now as we wait and long for and hope in Jesus. Because if people like us can apparently be coerced or scared or tricked into making false confessions to things we've never done, might we not be invited and loved and welcomed into faithful confessions too, real contrition, True humility, sincere repentance that leads to change by a God who promises our forgiveness and mercy at all costs. We would be transformed by that. And we could change the world because of that too, I believe. We would experience the kingdom alive and well and here and now. We would see love and justice and mercy on earth as it is in heaven. We would prepare the way, and we would be prepared ourselves for God's grace to be born finally for the sake of the world in Jesus. Amen.